This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Julia Doni is responsible for the North American business of B2B International, driving growth across the region and leading a team of consultant researchers, analysts, technicians, and more. She is actively involved in strategic accounts, including research recommendations, project design, and consultancy. Julia Doni, welcome to ClientSide. Thank you for having me. It's, it's really exciting to have you here. Let's start at the beginning of your career. You started out as a research executive for B2B International in 2005. Is this the way that you saw your career going when you first started with the company back then? No, I, I worked for B2B International thinking it would be for the short term. My hmm. ambition back then was research for television documentaries. So I didn't intend to stay with B2B for long, mm. but I actually preferred market research to what I'd been doing in the media and it, it just grew from there really. Re- really interesting. So so it wasn't what you intended to do at that at that time. Um, not, but from you, not from the outset. What was right. it about B2B International that kept you engaged for such a long period of time? variety of the projects we were working on, um, the different studies from product development research to brand equity study segmentation. It was something different to work on every day and I really found that fascinating. Really interesting. So B2B International clearly has a culture of hiring from within and developing their people. Talk about what surprised you most about the way the company has grown over that period of time because you've, you've grown pretty significantly over the years. Yes, the growth has been worldwide as well, both here in North America and over in in Europe and Asia. When the company was a lot smaller, though, and and when it was a family-owned business, it was a lot more flexible, um, a lot more patient. And we believed in hiring graduates and instilling the B2B DNA into them early on in their career. Mm. And there have been lots of people whose careers have flourished from that approach to talent development and They truly live and breathe B2B. But in recent years, and especially since we were acquired by Dentsu Aegis Network, there's a greater sense of urgency to be bigger and bolder and and to achieve the never before in B2B. Hmm. So we've needed to to hire more people externally and bring in experienced researchers with with complementary skill sets to help Hmm. us grow. Really interesting. So so you you had that organic culture being built for because it was a family-owned business yeah. I, I had the had the um benefit of speaking to to nick um a few months ago actually the um managing director of, of b2b international and and he reiterated your point that it really grew organically and there's this sort of yeah. built culture and then you had to hire sort of external experts as you as you mentioned earlier what was it like bringing those those two cultures together so the organic sort of inbuilt culture that was that had grown over time and then when you're bringing in these these external people that have maybe different experiences and slightly different expectations what was it like melding those two cultures well everyone who's joined us externally tells us that b2b is so very different so people who've been sort of groomed by us who we hired as fresh graduates and Mm. brought up to speed in the world of b2b as I said, they, they have B2B in their DNA, mm. whereas people that we hire externally who bring a very impressive amount of experience, 
that experience tends to be in the consumer world. So they need to shift from all sure. of that fantastic consumer knowledge to suddenly working in, in the B2B arena, which is sure. so very different. So that always takes some degree of getting used to, but there's still the, the complementary skill sets that they bring to the table and some fresh ideas, fresh thinking from all the, the research and consumer markets that they've done. Really interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about B2B International in a bit more detail because you, you are the largest B2B market research firm in, in the world now. Uh, you've recently been acquired by Dentsu Agents Network, as you, as you mentioned earlier, um, and uh, who became eventually sort of a, you're, you're in the Gyro Network. So, so Gyro, I believe, is a B2B creative agency, and they are also in the, in the Dentsu Agents Network. Talk about some of the main challenges your clients typically have and how do you help them solve them? So our clients come to us with a, a number of challenges and opportunities, I should say, and, and mm. these vary. Uh, so, for example, how to address eroding market share, how to launch a new product successfully, how to identify where greater revenue potential lies, how to optimize a pricing strategy, and a lot more. And the variety of what we do is, is what I love about the job, as I mentioned earlier. Every client and business challenge is different. Although mm. there's often a common theme, meaning we can transfer knowledge of how other brands have addressed similar challenges successfully. Really, really interesting. You, you deliver high quality data and insights for B2B businesses to ultimately base a lot of their decisions on, you know, whether or not to uh, go into a new market, whether or not to launch a new products, etc. Is there a danger that we've become too reliant on data though in, in B2B and sort of ignore the emotional, intuitive side of marketing? You know, the criticism for a long time has been that CMOs are sort of over-reliant on data to make a business decision um, and they kind of lose sight of creativity and emotion in marketing. Well, if if by data you mean numbers, then yes, I think there's a danger of companies becoming too focused on metrics and not enough on the why behind those measurements. Hmm. Your question reminds me of some research Forrester published earlier this year that talked about the importance of emotions in driving brand differentiation and that creativity is key to evoking those emotions. So with the, with the rise of, of digital transformation, everyone's become obsessed with technology and that's to the detriment of creative differentiation. Mm. And so the big opportunity right now lies in using creativity to stand out and drive higher financial returns. The more successful brands that we see are those that really blend art and science, mm. that combine creative uniqueness with excellent technical execution so that they really deliver on both utility and emotion. Hmm. Really, really interesting. I, I, this is a question that I asked um, Nick uh, some time ago, but how much of marketing is art and how much of marketing is, is science? Because you'll get creative agencies on one hand saying it's all about the creativity and you need to be really sort of, you need to break down barriers and be really sort of innovative and forward thinking. And then you have sort of more performance driven agencies on the left hand side that are more analytical, rational, uh, data driven, etc. To your point, how much of marketing is art and how much is science? That's a really good question. And I think so much depends on the individuals 
uh, running the marketing campaigns or the individuals doing the market research to inform those campaigns and measure the campaigns. Mm. Uh, thinking in, in a research capacity, qualitative research can be more on the art side of things, although there's a scientific component to it. If we're looking into what drives people's behaviors and what influences mindsets, and with quantitative research, you could argue there's more science because it is more metrics and measurements based. And so there's opportunity for running statistical analyses and so on. There's mm. so much depends on what it is that you're doing, the nature of the campaign or the research study, and then mm. the individuals as well and, and the skill sets that they bring to the table. Mm. Really interesting. Some, some businesses pl- place a lot of emphasis on getting data on what their competitors are doing. But while they're doing that, they're not really focusing on the customer or sort of where they are in the marketplace. And Jeff Bezos, as we all know, is sort of famous for being maniacally sort of led by the customer and not by the competition but it feels kind of wrong not to keep at least one eye on the competition what what advice do you give your your clients well i think there's a clear difference between being led by the competition and tackling the competition head-on and Mm. and amazon definitely disrupted the market monitoring the competition is naturally important to keep on top of market trends and we're big believers in benchmarking your performance against that of competitors otherwise how could you identify what constitutes good versus better versus Mm. best and therefore set realistic targets so yes I I think brands would be complacent if they didn't keep an eye on competitors and that would make them vulnerable to to losing share of spend share of wallet and market share Really, really interesting. Let, let's talk a little bit about choosing and, and appointing agencies because I, I know that you've worked with several agencies um, over, over the years. In your opinion, what are the most common factors and capabilities or characteristics that you look for when you're hiring a new agency? So there are a number of factors. If I were to distill it to three, uh, the first one would be experience. So with any agency, you're ultimately buying people Mm. and you need people who understand your challenge and your end goal and who can bring the best practices to the table, including transferable knowledge, um, solid recommendations based on their experience with other brands and so on. So that's Mm -hmm. the first thing. The, The second factor I'd say, and we just talked about this, would be creativity. Sure. Creative agencies understand the importance of the human experience with brands and so they know how to drive stronger emotional engagement, and that's mm-hmm. key to achieving uh, brand differentiation. They, they bring fresh ideas to help your brand mm-hmm. stay relevant and dynamic. And then third, when looking for a new agency, I'd, I'd want to see strong evidence that they truly understand our industry, and in particular, the challenges that we face uh, uniquely as an organization. And that's so that they can be empathetic to our specific needs, and so that they can provide solutions that that feel like they deliver on exactly what we need. Hmm. Makes, makes perfect sense. Now, if there's an agency that sort of is lacking in one of those three areas, which area is of most importance to you? And is it important that every agency that you work with has all three in equal measure? Well, one, I was just saying creativity is important. Again, I think it depends on on the campaign. Mm. So I still think it would be in the top three, but it perhaps might fall behind the the people, the experience Mm. of the people, and then the evidence that they understand your industry. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the starting point. They have to understand uh, the markets that you serve, the industry that you play in, and then Mm -hmm. what makes your organization unique. 
So that's that's the starting point. Mm-hmm. Then getting the right people to address your challenge or your opportunity, and then creativity somewhat comes comes third. And it, it depends, as I said, on on the campaign if it's mm. creativity is a key part of it, sure, uh, or not. Really interesting. Let's talk a little bit about sort of giving feedback and managing your agencies because clients have very different communication styles. If they're unhappy with something, some clients tell the agency immediately, uh, other clients stay silent and sort of give the agency a sneaking suspicion that something may be wrong, but they don't know exactly what it is. Um, I think most agencies would like to know quite early either way so they can do something about it. What's your approach to communicating something that you're unhappy with? Oh, it, it really depends on how involved I am. Right. Um, if, if I chose the agency and I'm leading the effort mm. uh, from the client side, I feel just as much of an obligation to make the partnership a success. And, and I do think that clear communication throughout from both sides is necessary to ensure that expectations are aligned and that there are no surprises. Mm-hmm. Now, if I wasn't the lead on the relationship, uh, and I'm not happy with how things are going, I might not speak up as I could just feel it's inappropriate for me mm. to share my views. And mm. So I suppose that really speaks to the importance of ensuring all stakeholders are bought in from the outset. Mm, definitely. What What's the best way, once you have chosen your agency based on those three criteria that you mentioned earlier, when you're starting to work with them in the early days, what is the best way to sort of set expectations with the agency early on so you have a clear idea as to kind of what's expected and the agency does as well um what have been the best ways of sort of setting those expectations quite early in your experience i think a good brief at the outset so Mm -hmm. the client does need to be clear about what they want what they need what success means to them uh, possibly the risk factors sometimes discussed at the outset Mm -hmm. i think aligning on what the client actually wants and what they um, expect to see at the end of the the program is critical to uh, to the success throughout, and then keeping a line of communication throughout as well. Mm. Uh, just, there are no hidden surprises that that pop up at any point. Mm, really interesting. What what do clients need to know generally about their agencies in order to get the best work that they can from the agencies? Because one of the uh, sort of uh, questions uh, leveled against agencies has been all slightly larger agencies sometimes is that if you are not a a, you know the biggest brand in their agency portfolio then they may not give you as much time and attention whereas if you're working with maybe a smaller agency uh, and you're you're responsible for more of their revenue and income you you're their largest client in their their portfolio they'll put more time and attention on your account and, and possibly go over over and above whereas a larger agency may not may not do that what do clients need to know about their agencies in order to get the best work from them? Well, I think clients need to recognize that most of their requests of agencies these days aren't easy. And I'm, I'm focusing on the B2B world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if there was a quick and simple fix, clients would be addressing those issues themselves internally. Mm-hmm. So the first requirement is to give agencies enough time to do their best. So time is key. And then connected to that, agencies need a sufficient budget to achieve the desired outcomes. And it, and it sounds obvious that, but mm-hmm. they can only achieve so much with the tools that they have to work with. Um, if, if you have big ambitions to increase brand awareness, for example, 
then you do need to be realistic about the investment necessary to reach that end goal. Mm-hmm. The time is key, budget is key, um, open lines of communication, as I, as I was saying earlier, is key as well. Hmm. It's a partnership at the end of the day. It really is. Now, as much as agencies would like to hold on to their clients forever, the reality is that clients replace agencies with increasing regularity. What are some of the most common reasons in your experience that that clients leave or or that you've um, had to leave or or separate from your agency and and what can agencies do to avoid it? Well, unless there was a a push factor, uh, like like the incumbent agency disappointed them in some way, so they didn't deliver against the needs on a consistent basis, for instance. So unless there's a push factor like that, the key reasons behind switching I I assume would be pull factors. Mm. So, for example, someone new in the organization brings a preferred agency with them that they worked with in a prior role. Mm -hmm. Um, Or the team just has a desire for something new and different. So thinks of changing agencies just for some fresh insights. I see. So churn is inevitable, you you would say, either because, uh, you know, a, a new leader comes in and they've got a previous uh, relationship with a, uh, an agency they worked with in the past, or yeah. you, you just want to sort of shake things up a, a little bit and sort of get a fresh perspective and, and new exactly. ideas. Yep. Is, is there anything that the agency could do defensively to sort of sort of tackle those circumstances when they arise? You know, there was a saying based on what Henry Ford once said, and it's something like, if you always do what you've always done, Mm -hmm. you'll always get what you've always got (laughs) if you're lucky. And and I think that speaks true to to what you just said here, that Mm. the agency needs to bring fresh ideas to the table. They can't Mm. always do what they've always done for the client. Good point. They do need to make recommendations on, this is what we could be doing moving forward. Here Mm -hmm. are some ideas. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Really, really good point. Okay, we're slightly getting towards the end of the interview now. Let's talk a little bit about B two B marketing in general. Actually, before we get into our our um, other questions, our speed round towards the end of the interview, what what trends are you seeing in B two B marketing as we turn our corner into twenty twenty? I can't believe this year has gone so fast already. Um, but yeah, talk about what you're seeing generally in the market because you sit at a really unique vantage point where you're privy to the a lot of the strategic thinking and direction of a of a of major b2b organizations so what trends are, 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 are you seeing your clients focus on as we turn into 2020 gosh there are a lot of trends but i think if there are a couple to highlight i'd pull out personalization Mm-hmm. And then also e-commerce. So starting with personalization, um, the vast majority of B2B brands struggle directing communications and messaging in, in a personalized and, a, in a, and in a more relevant way. Mm-hmm. But they're under pressure to do so, given that what we're seeing as consumers driven by digital transformation helps brands better cater to us as individuals. So, for mm-hmm. example, we're used to Amazon making recommendations based on recent browsing or product purchases mm-hmm. or we used to Netflix recommending uh, what movies or series we should watch based mm-hmm. on what we've watched before and sure. that's all putting huge pressure on B2B brands to deliver more relevant and more personalized content messaging solutions to live up to these examples set mm. by our consumer cousins mm. then the other big trend 
as we enter 2020 is just just on that julia yeah. just 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 before you move on to the second trend what's stopping b2b agencies from making that that transition because you know as consumers we interact with Netflix all the time. We inter- interact with Amazon all the time. And it just feels as though this is just part of culture and it feels quite seamless and easy. What's stopping the best B2B brands adopting a similar sort of approach and having that personalized experience with their, with their customers? I think technology is a key reason behind mm-hmm. it. We need to have the right technology in place to be able to deliver more personalized experiences to business professionals. Uh, There are certain organizations that have adopted technologies to help them do this Mm -hmm. or address digital transformation. So, for example, um, intelligent automation of of your database can enable content that's delivered to each customer at the right time with the right message um, through the right channel. Mm -hmm. But you do need the right technology in place to be able to do that. Hmm. So technology, I think, is key to being able to deliver more personalized experiences as well as studies like segmentation. We help our clients understand where is the greater opportunity among the customers that they serve. Hmm. And when you understand the different segments of customers, it enables us to identify individuals who prefer to be communicated with in different ways, individuals who have certain sets of needs or differing behaviors. And so that enables brands to address those individuals with those unique behaviors and needs in appropriate ways. Sure, really interesting. And the second trend? The other trend we're seeing is the rise of e-commerce, which is huge. If I think back to some research we did earlier this year, we saw that 67% of B2B marketers expect e-commerce to influence their business over the next three years. Hmm. And so B2B buyers are looking for online experiences, just like we were talking about with Amazon Mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. They're looking for experiences like that, similar to what they're getting as consumers. I mean, it's really huge. It's already huge. And it's just going to continue to be getting bigger and and being a key key agenda item for for B2B marketers. Forrester, Mm -hmm. thinking back to Forrester, they claim that B2B e-commerce here in the U.S will reach $1.8 trillion by wow. 2023. Phenomenal. And that just speaks, yeah, it just speaks to the size of the opportunity and the importance of, of e-commerce this year and beyond. So yeah, Good. personalization and, and e-commerce are huge in my I, view. I can see that, definitely. Who, who's got the hardest job in B2B marketing right now? Of all the brands and brand managers that you, that you see in the marketplace, either that are your clients or clients or, or brands that you see externally, who do you think has got the hardest job in B2B marketing right now? Gosh, that, that's a really tough question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, no, nobody has it easy in mm-hmm. B2B marketing as it's such a complex space to navigate mm-hmm. and win in. Um, there, there are certain segments, though, where I think it's particularly difficult. So, for example, brands that sell exclusively through channel partners like distributors and retailers, they're far removed from the end customer and sure. often out of touch with customer needs and pain sure. points and desires. Mm-hmm. And then... Also, brands that are perceived as a commodity by the market, such as utilities providers, they don't have it easy at all. Mm. Um, those, those B2B marketers are challenged developing value propositions that, that speak to differentiated benefits. Sure. It's really tough in those more commodity type markets. Really interesting. So, so just on that, on, on the commodity markets, do they, 
is a greater emphasis placed on emotion then and as a way of differentiating and taking more of a consumer uh you know sort of a, a role from the consumer playbook as opposed to the rational logic-based rule-based uh sort of logic of, of b2b decision making what's what's how how are the best sort of utility brands uh, sort of approaching differentiation and, and marketing as what you're seeing yeah, it's more about building the brand because at the end okay. of the day, the, the products are so similar, the services are similar, um, and, and the requirements are similar. So the mm-hmm. real reliability, dependability, no downtime, all of those requirements and challenges faced by customers are, mm-hmm. are ultimately the same. So a lot of it comes down to the brand and building the brand. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, emotions are key in establishing a connection with the target audience on a more emotional level and, and that's a major part of building the brand and achieving differentiation really 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 interesting julie we're getting into our speed round now so these are our quick fire questions that i'll fire at you and if you could fire back some some answers that would be fantastic um now are agencies a luxury or a necessity so what do agencies offer that's so unique that their client can't achieve on their own and, and or they can't replicate internally? Uh, maybe I'm cheating, but I'd say both. Both luxury and necessary. Okay. Okay. Uh, similar to what I said earlier, creativity is just vital to growth. And agencies yeah. bring fresh and entrepreneurial ideas to the table that, that disrupt the status quo in a positive yeah. way. Hmm. Really, really interesting. What excites you most about your current role and position? Making an impact, whether big or small. I'm, I'm really proud of my team and what they've achieved, and I just love seeing our clients succeed as well, based on based on our insights and, hmm. and recommendations. And now that we're in the Denso Aegis network, we've expanded our reach into new markets and new client opportunities, and so I'm excited about about what the future holds. Really exciting. And my final question, Julia, what's the single biggest thing that you're yet to achieve in your career? Well, I'm proud of what I've accomplished in helping individuals grow in a professional capacity and empowering brands to achieve more, as I just mentioned. But my goal is to ensure B2B International makes more of an impact on society. We've started engaging with nonprofits in the local community, but I do think there's a lot more we can do. Hmm. Really, really interesting. Julia, thank you so much for being on the show. That's a pleasure. Thank you. If you'd like to share any comments or subscribe to the podcast, you can find ClientSide on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you would like to appear as a guest on the show or would like to recommend a senior B2B marketing professional to appear on ClientSide, then please visit fox.agency. We would be unable to produce the show without our special team here at Fox. Millie Bell is our booker slash researcher. Paul Blanford is our creative director. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.